exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Happy Monday, everybody listening. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm your host, as usual, every Monday, Alex Sharg. And to my left, usually is a co-host named David DeFever. He, unfortunately, today is out. Again, he's working for Spartan Vision. He'll be back in future weeks, including next semester, as well as the rest of the sports team here on Impact 89 FM. Again, welcome. If it is your first time tuning in, let me explain to you how this show is set up. We start with MSU Sports first. That's your football, basketball, hockey, anything else MSU you would like us to talk about. Then we jump to local. That's your Tigers, Red Wings, Pistons, uh, anything else. Well, there's no hockey anymore considering the lockout. But yeah, you get a little bit of your local here on Impact 89 FM. Then we jump to national, including the Chad Ocho Zero segment, which we'll get to in just a few minutes. We do have listeners from all over. We have listeners as far as San Jose State University in California, as far as Mexico City, and even Miami, Florida. So we are a national listen station here on Impact 89FM. Today, in in place of David DeFever, we do have David Zuckerman. David is a communication major at MSU who has interned with Fox 2 News, Dites Trot Sports Entertainment Management, and also Philadelphia Eagles front office. David's an avid hockey fan who is a fan of MSU sports and anything newsworthy overall. David, great to have you on the Sports Wrap final show of the year. Uh, we will actually be playing some uh, some repeat shows in a couple weeks, but hey. Great to have you on. Uh, talk about the internships you've had with with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles front office, a little bit with uh, the Fox, too. Uh, talk about what you did there and really what you learned. Well, first of all, Alex, I just want to say thank you for letting me on the show and Absolutely. letting me have the opportunity to come here and talk to you a little bit. So this summer I was working with Fox 2 News, which is a local Detroit station and a very prominent news station in the metro Detroit area. And I got to work under a producer named Greg Canner and uh, basically just an entire team of guys who are reporters, anchors, Dan Miller, who's the, the, the radio presence of the Lions, sure. a huge, a, a huge name in Detroit sports, as well as Ryan Armani, Woody Woodruff. And they basically brought me in and let me cut video and learn just the the ins and outs of the entire industry i i was an avid hockey player at one point but unfortunately because i didn't have the skills to go d1 i figured the next best thing is to talk about it so here i am (laughs) absolutely now even with all the hands-on experience you received especially with dan miller that's a great face of detroit sports as you said uh talk about what was one of the best moments you've had there at fox 2 and what you learned and how you're going to apply that to what you want to do. I would say that the best time that I had at Fox 2 was when I got to go with the reporter Woody Woodruff, who is a phenomenal human being, by the way. He let me tag along and essentially go with him to the Detroit Pistons organization, um, the Detroit Pistons sort of their, it's like a practice squad. Yeah, their, their, practice they, facility. Yeah, they, I got to, I got to go to the practice facility on the night of the draft. So I was in the room when Andre Drummond was picked. I got to be at the press conference with Joe Dumars and let him kind of let I kind of pick his brain for everything in terms of 
the mistake he made with Darko, how he was using the experience from the Darko pick. Now, now, does he admit that that Darko decision was a little uneasy, or what, what does he say about he that? He does. He he does. Basically, what Joe Dumars feels about on the issue is that he, at, at the time, because European players were not as prevalent in terms of coming over here and social media wasn't as prevalent, it was a lot harder to get information on how a player would translate from the European game to the professional game in America. Now, because of all the social media and because you can watch highlight tapes from kids when they're in seventh grade and on, he he was able to figure out a way to get more information out of players and out of coaches and scouts and everything to make a more educated decision on the player that he wanted to pick. Very good. We'll get to that more later when we talk about Detroit Pistons. Uh, If it is your first time tuning in again, let me explain to you that each week we have a special guest each week. Uh, This week it is Josh Mansour. He's the MSU football and basketball beat writer for the State News. He was the first ever guest on the Sports Wrap that was back early in September when we introduced the special guest segment. He's going to be the last guest to close the semester, so excited to have him on. And also closing the show, we have our goon of the week. It's just a guy in sports that we just think is a little bit goony and that should be acknowledged for something funny he did in the media. Also, we do have a question of the week. How it works is each week I ask a question here at the Sports Wrap, uh, well, David and I both, uh, and if you know the answer to the question, you can tweet at 89FM Sports Wrap. Again, the Twitter handle is at 89FM Sports Wrap. If you know the answer, you can tweet or you can also call in. The number for this show, as usual, is 517-432-3893. Again, the number, 517-432-3893. If you know the answer to our question of the week, you can tweet or call in. And the question this week, how many games have been decided by eight points or less for the Detroit Lions this year? After a close game at Green Bay last week, they increased the number of games decided by eight points or less, uh, and I'm not going to give away what that is. It's your job to figure that out. So go onto your computer, look at the Lions games, and if you get the question of the week correctly, you will have the opportunity to win a gift card courtesy of Nebo. If you don't know what Nebo is, uh, it's Ned's Bookstore on Grand River, nationally owned by Nebo. You can find more information online at www.nebo.com. And the Impact, of course, would like to thank Nebo for their continued support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. So this week we have Nebo, we've had Peter Pitt in the past, we've had Kosi. So you definitely want to stay tuned each week and next semester for the question of the week prizes. But... Like I said, to start off, before we delve into topics, we're going to start with our Chad Ocho Zero segment. For those of you who have not heard, Chad Ocho, well, Chad Johnson now, has been in the news continuously all the way since August, since he was cut from the team. Um, Just in the past, if you have not been keeping up, he got in a domestic abuse violence case with his ex-wife, Evelyn Lozada. Uh, he turned to yoga. He went to some anger management therapy. He was trying to trying to get a handle on what he was doing. Uh, unfortunately, it was not working. Twitter wars continued. He was jobless. He started to go to the Houston Texans games. He's trying to maybe walk on with Andre Johnson there. Uh, spoke to the Florida Gators as well earlier in the year. Uh, uh, still having a little bit of respect for the team uh, and uh, maybe providing a little bit of encouragement, some wise words for the Gators. Uh, And, of course, the Twitter war continued. And like I said, I will talk about Chad Johnson every single week until the media stops giving him attention. So this week, he's back in the news again. He basically went on national television and vowed that he will be playing in the NFL again. He left a message to the NFL and said this, quote, Dear NFL teams, at any point, maybe not this year, 
because it's kind of late and I'm still working on myself, but at any point next year, if you're looking for my services, what am I bringing to the table? Humility. I'm quiet and I'm always open, end quote. Now, I want to talk about that for a second because this guy is saying that, he's hum- that he has humility. And it's very evident to me that Ocho Zero is not, is, is completely the opposite. I mean, let's look at Twitter. Let's look at what he said, what he said to, uh, you know, quarterbacks coach, wide receiver coaches in the past. Uh, just your thoughts on what he's doing on national television and saying here, Dave. I'm not so sure that quiet is the adjective that I would use to describe Chad Ochocinco. I believe there's a Hard Knocks episode or two that can back that up. <laughs> But it, it seems like any time Chad Ochocinco is in the spotlight, he always finds a way to make the spotlight bigger and really make it shine brighter on himself. Which, you know, when you're a star receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, that'll work for you. Yeah. But when you're jobless, it seems like the, the best advice I can give him is shut your mouth, do your job, and hopefully you can stick out of the team somewhere. Absolutely. Now, now with all of this happening, uh, it's really not clear to me if he'll get back anytime soon. There's been some chatter about maybe him coming to Detroit with all the injuries, uh, maybe looking at the Texans a little bit. Uh, do you see him coming back in the near future, or is it really just when he stops getting in this media attention? I think someone will take a flyer on him. I think there are enough teams in the NFL who have receiving troubles. The Lions are happen to be one of those teams right now. Personally, I don't see Detroit as a good fit for him because of all the legal issues and all of the trouble a player can get into in Detroit. It seems like the last place that you'd want a guy like Chad Ochocinco to go. But I think at the end of the day, maybe not this season because it's so late and he has to learn a system, but I think he's going to get at least one more shot in the NFL. Very good. If you think otherwise, 517-432-3893 is the number. In about two minutes, we're going to get into MSU basketball and special guest Josh Mansour will be joining us at 715. 725, Detroit Lions conversation. Should Jim Schwartz get the boot? Who do you blame for the Packers' loss? Uh, Lions, how are they going to do with the rest of the season? We'll get to that at 725. 735, Detroit Pistons, Andre Drummond's success. How do you analyze that? Was that a decent pick? Is he playing up to your expectations? We'll get to that later. 745, MSU football. Le'Veon Bell being honored as the elite running back in the nation. Uh, that was actually this past Saturday when MSU basketball played Loyola Chicago. Uh, is he going to be back? We'll get to that at 745 and more. 755 as we end the show, we have our Goon of the Week this week. David actually is going to go up more on the Goon of the Week this week. Uh, NHL canceling all games. We have a Goon somewhere in the NHL. Could be the NHL in general. We'll get to that at 755. So just to start before we get Josh on the air, David, Let's talk about MSU basketball first. Uh, Big Ten play weeks away. Uh, we've seen a lot from this team. We've seen some struggling uh, senior captains. We've yes, seen we Russell have. Bird. Uh, we've seen a lot from Keith Appling. But we've also you know, seen some freshmen step in that no one really thought would, would really come in full circle. Now, uh, with the Big Ten play so close, you know, with Michigan as good as they've ever been since the 90s, uh, with the Fab Five, the, uh, Indiana, number one team in the nation this right. year, you know, how do you judge MSU's success? I mean, they do have Tom Izzo, legendary man himself. Do they have a chance of knocking off these teams with what you've seen so far? I'm going to be honest. I really, after watching Indiana and Michigan play this year, they're the real deal. Those are two teams who definitely have the ability to be top five teams in the nation. Having said that, I'm not ready to count out the Spartans by any means. Okay. And I truly believe that at the end of the day, the physicality that we bring to the Big Ten schedule, to the Big Ten as a whole, is something that cannot be understated. Michigan State is a team that year in and year out 
has the ability to beat anyone on the offensive boards, beat anyone on the defensive boards, and can stifle any opposition in the post. I think what Izzo has done also year in and year out is begin each each season with a daunting schedule full of national contenders so that by the time the Big Ten schedule is underway – Everyone on the team kind of has their has their feet wet with real competition. Sure, sure. Now, now, are you on? Are you opposed to having those games against those big national teams? Should they ease up a little bit in the I future? I love them. I love them. I absolutely love them. If I if I were Izzo, I'd do the same thing every year because if you look at Michigan State's track record in March, I really believe that those games start all the way back at the beginning of the year against teams like North Carolina, against teams like Kansas, against teams like even Connecticut this year. We just the the, the be, starting the season with the national powerhouses gives us kind of a bearing of where we are comparatively in the season, and then when the Big Ten season starts, although you have guys like Cody Zeller, although you have big players who can essentially change the outcome of the entire season, what Michigan State can do with Adrian Payne and Derek Nix is kind of give a big athletic, a big athleticism and big power which are two aspects that sure. they bring that not necessarily every team in the Big Ten is going to have. Right, absolutely. Now, I would argue with you a little bit. I think that, you know, of course, those games are big. They definitely prepare for what they're going to face in the tournament. On the other side of it, I'd say that they have to look at a little bit more. Uh, they'd have to look at more of those D2 games, especially with what we've seen this year. Uh, it's been evident that this team has a lot to work on, especially with young teams. Uh, I think maybe what I would say to start the year is maybe start putting those big games towards the end of of the first exhibition games, uh, you know they scheduled uh, uh, they scheduled Connecticut so early this year, right. and they they still had so many things to tune up. I I know I don't know if that was necessarily the correct move, but hey, you know what? They're they're getting their feet wet and they're learning. But now we do have MSU State News football and basketball beat writer Josh Mansour with us on the line. Josh, of course, great to have you as well. Uh, first guest and the last guest this semester. Uh, talk about Josh the article you wrote about Le'Veon Bell and all the rumors. Uh, we'll start with that, just switching gears for a second here to football. Uh, you you and I talked about this a little bit before, how it, it, it's pretty evident that this may not be his last year. But you know what? You can't count You can't count at the other end. He's had a great career here. He might be going for a Heisman next year. I mean, what are your thoughts on what Le'Veon Bell is going to do? Yeah, I think it's it's really tough uh, situation for Le'Veon just because there's there's a lot to consider. Uh, certainly there are, there are goals here at Michigan State that, that are still on the table. Uh, getting to a Rose Bowl, I know, you know, when you think back to Greg Jones, that was something that was important to him to come back for right. uh, when he could have left early. Uh, and certainly potentially, uh, you know, rushing for 2,000 yards and having the, the greatest single season in, in MSU running back history. <laughs> right. Certainly second best season ever this year. Uh, but I think there also are a lot of things from a considering the pros, uh, mainly the fact that his draft stock, uh, while it may not necessarily necessarily be uh, exceptionally high is something that might not fluctuate considerably because the greatest thing holding him back is speed and that might not be something that improves so sort of something for him to consider that if it's not going to change change considerably maybe he should go and Mm -hmm. try and give himself the best chance he can to to break out as a rookie and earn a big second payday right now now i want to talk a little bit about the communication between Le'Veon bell and antonio because with what we saw in the last press conference antonio said we're going to stick to our 350 carry back. We're going to consistently stick with our running backs getting touches. Now, he said 350 carry back. That's Le'Veon Bell. 
Now, I think D'Antonio, correct me if I'm wrong, is expecting him right now at this point in time. He's expecting Bell to come back. Is that true? Or? I think it's really tough to read. I think that the biggest thing uh, that D'Antonio always thinks is that, is that he likes stability uh, in his program and consistency. And so for him, uh, he also said in, the, in that quote that, that that guy's been Edwin Baker, that guy's been Mary Caper, that true, guy's true. been... Uh, a number of guys. So I think that there, there's no concern for him. I shouldn't say no concern. Obviously, it's concern if Le'Veon leaves. But but for him, uh, comfort comes from stability. And it comes from sameness. And so I think that there there are some exciting players uh, like Nick Tompkins, who, who redshirted this year, mm-hmm. uh, and Gerald Holmes is coming in. Uh, that certainly he he thinks are capable of handling the load if Le'Veon decides to leave. And I think the biggest thing that he was was trying to say there is that this this program is bigger than one running back, bigger than one player. And so they'll continue to do what they do, no matter who's who's lined up back there. Right now, this year in the Heisman race, not too many running backs up for the Heisman Candidate Award. Uh, where do you see Le'Veon in this draft, uh, Josh? Do you see him a little bit later, especially because of, uh, I mean, of course, setting the, the record for yards? Uh, I mean, how is his draft stock going to fall, especially with fellow Spartans like Golston? I, I think he's probably, it's tough to say. Um, I, I think the big thing to, to look at, is not necessarily Le'Veon specifically, but but running backs on the whole. When you do that, you see that only one running back was taken in the first 30 picks, I believe, last year. Right. Uh, it's a devalued position. So uh, e- even if Le'Veon was was uh, considered the, the greatest running back prospect in a while, it's very unlikely that he'd be uh, a first-round pick. So I, I would see him more in the third to fifth round range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that issues at the combine are going to are obviously going to be that 40-yard dash. He, he thinks he can run a 4-4, 4-5. I think it's a little bit uh, optimistic. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so I think I think he's he's got some opportunities, uh, mainly to to go in and sort of be a short yardage back, a, a power back, uh, and and potentially be able to earn more opportunities uh, throughout his career as he progresses. Absolutely. Now let's switch gears to basketball for a second. As David and I were just talking about MSU basketball, do they have the goods to knock off Indiana and Michigan? Do they have the talent? Will they just get better from here? Uh, and on top of that, Josh, uh, let's talk a little bit about Denzel Valentine and his limited playing time. Uh, will he have a role in those games? Uh, I think he absolutely will. Uh, I think I think he'll be back to starting uh, very soon if he isn't, you know, by the Tuskegee game this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Denzel Valentine is, is absolutely huge for this team because what he does is a little bit of everything. And when you look at the, the biggest loss that they had with Raymond Green outside of leadership was his ability to do a little bit in the post a little bit outside, a little bit passing, a little bit outside shooting. Well, you know, and Josh, the, the, the passing right now is is just not there. And that's something, you know, that, you know, the sports rap team, and, and we've been talking about for weeks. Uh, now, are you worried about this turnover difference? Because as far as I'm concerned, if this keeps going on, I mean, yeah, he has the Tuskegee game, but this guy will be on the bench. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that he, he uh, is known for having great vision. I think he's trying to, to do too much. I think it's about adjusting to the speed. Uh, of the game, but I think that's an adjustment he'll make, and I, th- I think he will be a big, a big time player for this team. I really do. For those of you just tuning in, we do have MSU football and basketball beat writer for the State News, Josh Mansour. Uh, Josh, now let's talk a little bit about recruiting for basketball. Uh, of course, no recruits so far. Uh, Jabari Parker and, and that whole thing looks like MSU is trying to put all the cards in that. Uh, what? How do you see this recruiting class shaping out uh, in terms of prospects you expect MSU to land? I think I think it's going to be a one-person class. I, I think it's it's going to swing obviously very very majorly if it's Jabari Parker. If it's not, 
in large part because a lot of the, the top players for that class have committed. So uh, there aren't a whole lot of secondary options. James Young was a was a local kid that decided to go go to Kentucky. Yeah, right. Uh, so so there aren't a lot of of options that are still open uh, for Izzo if if Jabari Parker doesn't come to MSU. So there is a possibility that that he could potentially do uh, a, a transfer or he could do uh, a a junior college type situation uh, for for a shorter term, but I don't think this this gets much bigger than than a one uh, person class. So right. Jabari Parker obviously becomes a huge deal. Right, and let's say they don't get Parker, and this is a one person class. They look at a transfer. Uh, you know, if they don't land Parker, it just seems to me that Izzo is just looking to just get a body out there because if if it's not an elite talent, he's not going to go for anyone else in this class, correct? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be tough to to land elite talent at that point, uh, at that late in the game. Uh, I think you'll still have, in all likelihood, unless guys leave early, you'll still have a, a really solid group. Uh, the only player they obviously lose is, is Derek Nix, and you've got guys like uh, Kenny Kaminsky, who I think could be a, a pretty uh, surprising player, and, and Matt Costello, who I think is going to be very, very good uh, in a year or two, uh, that right now are playing limited roles. So I think I think there's an opportunity that that. You know, you go ahead and try and get an elite top five player in the country, and if you don't, you're still in a solid situation because of the depth that this team has. Right. Uh, now, a couple last questions before you get going here. Uh, Adrian Payne having a pretty big breakout game against Loyola. Uh, that's probably the first time we've seen him score and rebound consistently in a while. Uh, you think this is going to hold up, Josh, or is this going to swiftly swing over to Knicks getting a lot of the playing time? I, I think it will hold up. I think um, this is his second double-double in three games. He only had one double-double his entire career before that. Yeah. So he's on a roll right now. And I think the big thing for him is is coming off the bench. He's talked about being able to, to see the flow of the game a lot better, uh, get a sense for how the game's going. It helps him avoid foul trouble, which has been a real problem for him. He also has, has somewhat smaller lungs, so he can't play for as long as stretches. So coming off the bench helps him there. Mm-hmm. And, and he just plays with a lot of energy and, and enthusiasm. And when you separate him from Derek Nix, there's a lot more room for him to work down there. So I think he's going to, to really break out and have a big year. He's, his jump shot, Izzo said today, uh, that he shoots the ball as well as, as any of their players do in terms yeah, of wow. pure form. So I think that his ability to stretch the floor as well as, as bang inside and, and uh, be incredibly athletic is going to be a huge plus for this team. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, Izzo saying he can shoot the ball as good as anyone in that team. Yeah, hitting some outside shots last game that we haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, Josh, last question here before you get going. You're done with the state news. You closed up shop. You guys are done until next semester. What are you going to do this break? Are, are you going to cover some high school games? Are you going to go to a couple games on your own free time? Or what's the move for you? Uh, well, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to view it, I guess it never ends. Uh, so uh, we're going to be putting up a story tonight from uh, Izzo's press conference today. Uh, we're going to probably be putting up some stuff for, for Tuskegee and, and covering games throughout the break. So mm-hmm. there's going to be uh, continuing coverage online for, for the state news until we get back into print. All right, very good. Josh, thanks again for joining us today. You've definitely hit on some good topics that David and I are going to get into. Uh, Great to have you on, first guest and last guest of the semester. Thanks a lot, Alex. All right, take care. All right, David, so we heard from Josh about what his thoughts were on the Big Ten, a little bit about the recruits. Now let's jump it over to you and the listeners. If you are listening, feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. Again, the number 517-432-3893. You can also tweet if you have any questions at 89FM Sports Chat. We are on Twitter. If you have a question or anything you'd like us to talk about on the air, 
feel free to tweet at us. Uh, and again, if you are just tuning in, we do have our question of the week this week. The question for a Nebo gift card. If you get the question correctly, you can win yourself a Nebo gift card. How many of the Detroit Lions games this year? have been decided by 8 points or less, dropping many close games. If you know the answer, you can win yourself a Nebo gift card. You need to tweet at 89FM SportsRap. Again, at 89FM SportsRap. If you know the answer, you definitely want to tweet in there. You can also call in uh, the number, as I said earlier, 517-432-3893. Now, David, uh, no commits, Jabari Parker. Josh said one-man recruiting class. Uh what, if they don't land anyone, um, is, does that doubt Izzo as a recruiter whatsoever? Does that put a strain on this team in the future? How do you view that? I'm I'm not willing to say that it's going to really hamper Izzo's ability to get recruits. But I will say that if we don't end up getting anyone, or even if Jabari Parker ends up being our only commit, it still worries me a little bit simply because of the loss of Derek Nix. While I know that Nix has his moments and he definitely has his his faux moments, he what, what he brings to our table is a big dominant post presence to pair with the athleticism that Adrian Payne brings out on the court. And and he seems to have the only real post moves of any big man on our team. Mm-hmm. So with with him being lost next year, I'm not 100% sure that Alex Ghana and Matt Costello can essentially replace him fully. And I, I think it would be nice if we could bring on another big man to pair with Jabari Parker. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, if they do bring that other big man, I mean, are they going to look to some of the younger guys? They've got a couple walk-ons. Are you going to give Costello, you know, Ghana some of that playing time? Or what's the move? I, I think you have to. I think you definitely can't underestimate the rebounding abilities of Brandon Dawson, which will always come into effect. But as 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 you look at his stats and you look at his stature, Brandon Dawson's only six 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 seven on a good day. Right. So you're not going to be able to pair him up with some six eleven big body players like Derek Nix and Adrian Payne can go on the boards with. Absolutely. Now we do have a caller on the line. You were on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this? Where are you calling from? Hey guys, this is Nate from East Lansing. Nate, what's going on? Not much. Hey, I just wanted to chime in real quick. I just uh, tuned in. I uh, was caught some of your Jabari Parker yeah. uh, conversation. You know, obviously that would be a huge sign if we did get him. It would, uh, like like your uh, guest host said, if, if if we can sign him, that's a huge hole that he filled mm-hmm. with the loss of Derek Nix. But I don't think it's a lost cause. You know, he's, he's going to, if he does not come to Michigan State, if he doesn't come here, you know, I, I think that Adrian Payne is going to be able to fill that hole of Derek Nix on his own. Yeah. And if not, I think that Alex Donna is going to be able to step in. Mm-hmm. And you have to look how deep this team. Do you guys agree that you think the depth of this team that we have already, that even if we don't get a guy like Jabari Parker or anybody for that? Right, right. Now, now look, I'm, I'm not going to go ahead and say, yeah, Nix, if you leave, I don't care. Right. I, I'm not going to go ahead and say that. But listen, here's what I do agree with you. I think that in terms of how this team will perform next year, I don't think there's going to be any loss or any, you know, any more losses than this year because Knicks is out. But right. you know what I would say, Nate, is you touched on a great point, is that you know if we don't get Parker, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump to a lot of those guys that step up. But I think what's 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 a point that not many people are looking into is that I think that not only are we looking for a hole in that big man position, but our guards and forwards are just getting better every year. I mean, Dawson, the guy is a true athlete. Keith Applin, Mister Basketball. I mean, this guy's pretty much define this team as it is. Uh, I mean, but do you think that 
Adrian Payne will be consistent enough, Nate, to step in for Derek Nix? Yeah, you know, I think so. He's he's definitely shown. He, he's just like Nix. He's he's shown he's shown up in spots, and you know, he's he's uh, struggled in other areas. But uh, I think if you put it on his shoulders, he's going to be coming back. He's going to be a senior, most likely going to be one of the captains. That's just on a hunch. But uh, I think he's going to recognize what situation he's in, and he re- he's going to have to realize that he's going to have to step up. Yeah, Nate. Yeah, Nate, thanks for calling in again. Um, Just real quick before we get going to a quick break here, question yeah. of the week for Nebo gift card. How many games have the Lions dropped uh, with eight points or less? They had another game this week, so the the answer may have changed a little bit. Do you have an answer for that, Nate? Come on, Nate. Um, My answer would be six. Oh, very close. Unfortunately, uh, not right. But, hey, if you find the answer to that question, feel free to tweet in. We're getting some tweets now. You could be the lucky guy to get it. Thanks for calling in, Nate. Thanks a lot, no Nate. Problem. All right, take care. All right, we're going to jump to a quick break here on 89FM Sports Rap. You're listening to WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw. Check out these pics of this huge tree falling. You probably wouldn't text while scuba diving. And you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. December 10th is the date. Finals week for MSU students. Good luck on finals, everybody, if you are listening. If you're listening, hey, I applaud you taking a break, streaming it online while studying at the lib or wherever you are, or if you're in your car on your FM dial. Great. I'm glad you tuned in. Uh, if you are just tuning in, we do have David Zuckerman with us today, uh, taking in place of David DeFever today. So we still have the David trend going. We've got Dylan behind the glass as usual. And we just got done talking a little bit about MSU basketball. We're going to jump a little bit into some, some, uh, we'll jump a little bit into the Detroit Lions, our beloved Lions. Again, dropping another game, and again, if you're just tuning in, our question of the week, how many of the Lions games this year have been decided by eight points or less? Nate just called in, guess six. Unfortunately, it's wrong. It's a little bit more than six, so I'll give you that uh, if you know the answer. At 89FM Sports Wrap, again, at 89FM Sports Wrap, number is open. We have open lines for the rest of the show, 517-432-3893, so... Detroit Lions dropping another game. Unfortunate again. Jim Schwartz, his his position up in the air now. 
Looked like things were heading up last three years. He's taken this team from, you know, 0-16, getting some more wins every year. And now this year, throwing challenge flags when he's violating the rules. Uh, I mean, David, what do you think about Jim Schwartz's future here with this team? You know, I've I've struggled with the play call at times, and I think that Schwartz has made some questionable decisions along the way. But having said that, ultimately, he's brought relevance back to the Lions franchise, which is something that I don't think can be understated. Now, what about that relevance are you talking about? Uh, well, since the year 2000, the Lions have had seven different head head coaches, which means that every time a new head coach comes in, it's a whole new culture, a whole new system, a whole new feel to the entire team. This is a team that has pretty much been a laughing stock, not only of the NFL, but in professional sports franchises in general. And all of a sudden, Jim Schwartz has brought kind of a swagger to the Lions, which may also be due to the players that Martin Mayhew has drafted. Mm -hmm. But I think I just think that the way that he's come in and changed the culture has be- almost been more mental than physical. And while we are having some setbacks this year, ultimately, I don't, I, I just don't think it's it's time to be calling for his head yet. Yeah, you know what? And even though there have been some, some setbacks, I agree, off the field issues specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen guys clock other players in the face, Lewis right. Thomas and Young. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but you know, there has to be some sort of blame, David. If it's not Jim Schwartz, if you're giving him the other chance, I mean, who are you going to blame here? Honestly, I'm going to put the blame on the Ford family. And a little bit, I think, has to go to Martin Mayhew also. Look, when you're in a division with the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Green Bay Packers, those are all teams who have not only offensive weapons that can beat you, but all of them are built off of a foundation, and that foundation is a rock-solid defense. I think when you look at the Lions, while we do have players like Ndamukong Sue and Nick Fairley and Corey Williams, Cliff Averill, players who are productive players and they can get it done, when you look at our back seven, it seems like a lot of those players, minus maybe Tulloch, are players who were waived from other teams and we basically got off the scrap heap. And I think if you're in a, div- wow. I think if you're in a division that you know has teams like the, you know, like. I think if you're in the AFC West and you're playing the Chiefs and the Raiders, you can get away with that kind of stuff. But Jacob Lacey and Ricardo Siva and Don Carey, <laughs> they're not necessarily going to be able to stop guys like, you know, Devin Hester or Randall Cobb or Greg Jennings or, you know, just any any player that's in the NFC North. Mm-hmm. No, no, let's just look at, you know, you mentioned that's the family. They're not looking to spend some of, some of this money. I mean, let's look at the off-field issues just to start. Who would have thought that Johnny Colbreth would be the first line in four years to be arrested? Following Colbreth, you have LeSure. Then you have Sue. After Sue, you have Fairley. Then you have Titus Young. I mean, all these guys, even, you know, defensive backs. I mean, you've got Houston having his problems. You have, you know, if it wasn't for these guys having off-field issues, would we say the exact same thing? I'm not so sure. But we are going to jump to the phones. Who is this calling? Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Where are you calling from? Hey, uh, calling from Lansing. This is Jordan. Jordan, welcome to the Sports Wrap. What's going on? Hey, man. Um, I have an answer to your Lions question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think, think it is, Jordan? Um, well, I don't know. It depends on if you guys are including the preseason games or not. All right, we're not going to include the preseason. We'll just do regular. That's a, that's a very good point, Jordan. Okay. Um, then it would be uh, eight games. Uh, Jordan, unfortunately, that is not correct. Uh, you were very, very close. Uh, but, hey, if you know the answer, feel free to call in again. Uh, hey, Jordan, while I have you on the line real quick, 
Uh, any conversation, any decision on what we're talking about with Schwartz? Do you think he should get the boot? Uh, what's your What's your opinion on that? Uh, I actually like Schwartz quite a bit. Um, I don't know. Some people aren't a big fan of the players' coaches. Um, yeah, why do you think but, that is? You know, I think I think overall, just in the history of the NFL, there's been more of the uh, the stern coaches that have won Super Bowls. So I think people are a little more skeptical mm-hmm. of the players' coach since. It's less proven, I, would, I guess. But I really like Schwartz. I think he's been doing a great job this year. I mean, like, you know, your question here was how many points, how many games they lost by eight points or less. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they have, you know, they've been in every single game just about this year. Yeah, now, now, what game, I mean, are there any games, Jordan, that you'd really like to see a win callback? I mean, you know, you with the, the, with the challenge flag, with so many of these late-game difficulties, who would have thought Hanson would have missed that field goal? I mean, are there any games that one single player, in your opinion, really changed the outcome? Um. Well, I hate to blame Hanson because he's you know been the line stable for so years. Right, yeah, that, he's the yeah, face. Like you said, that 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 forty-yard field goal that he missed in overtime against Houston was was pretty crucial. Right. Uh, now, Jordan. Last question before we get going here. Uh, the Lions. They got three games left. Uh, they're going to play the Cardinals. They got the Falcons and Bears. Uh, what's your opinion? Are they going to win those three games? Are they going to drop all three? Are they going to go four and what, 12? Um, I'm going to go with, I would say, two games. I I, I really have faith in them beating uh, Arizona. Um, and, I, God, I hope they beat uh, Chicago. Uh, yeah, definitely. We'll see about you that. Know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, Jordan, thanks again for calling in. If you want to go back, look up and see how many of those Lions games were determined by eight points or less. Call back in. We still don't have a winner yet, but you could be the guy. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Oh, all right. Thanks, man. Yep. All right, David. We'll jump back over to you. Uh, yeah. People just got to get this question correct. Um, it's funny. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say this now. I actually thought before we started it, it was 11 games. It's not 11 games, but it's somewhere close to 11. I didn't. I thought that was 11 before. Uh, looking back on it now with all their games, it's less than 11. So. If you know the answer, 517-432-3893. We've had three callers. The callers so far unable to get the question correctly. Uh, So we'll see what happens with the rest of the show and who will get the question of the week correctly. David, let's jump it back over to you. Uh, What's your opinion when it comes to, you know, some of these guys, when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to Titus Young, uh, when it comes to these receivers, any off-season changes that need to be made? Well, I think... When you start this year, you're going to have to look at the defense. That just the, the back seven, like I stated, just it, it's it's disheveled. It's essentially it's a a back seven of players who are on this team because they bounced around from city to city, and this is where they ended up. We need a shutdown corner. Not only do we need a shutdown corner, though, but on the other side of the ball, while our offense is obviously moving the ball well. We Javid Bess is gone, and Javid Bess is going to, I think, is going to be gone at yeah. least for the Lions. Now, the after watching last game, Bess is gone. Is Lashore going to be our go-to back? Are they going to make some kind of acquisition? Or what's your opinion with the backs? Lashore, solid, and I think going forward with Lashore, I have no qualms about it. But as you can see, the NFL is turning into a league where you need a you need a one-two punch. You're not. Not every player can be Adrian Peterson. Not every player can tote the ball 30 times a game and still be competitive over the long haul. Especially you see Adrian Peterson, the guy's a freak of nature, but he still tore his ACL. You still, when that much wear and tear on a player is going to do that. I think LaShore, you have 
power and you have a good in between the tackle in between the tackle runner. Now it seems like all we really need is a kind of a speed threat. Someone like a like a DeAnthony Thomas, maybe not DeAnthony Thomas because I think he's a little small for the system, but you need a player that can get the ball to the outside and really spread the defense out. Yeah, now you know when it when it comes to spreading that defense out, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Stafford and what he's done. Is Stafford not our guy? I mean, is I mean, there's been the topic if if he's going to be performing constantly game in and game out. Uh, I mean, is he has he set himself as the staple holder of this team? I think that with his his five thousand yard season last year, he really quieted all the doubters in terms of can he get it done in the NFL. I think with the team he has, he's going to be able to go forward and go forward successfully, but he's only going to be able to do it if we can protect him. Mm-hmm. As as we found out early in Stafford's career, he has trouble staying on the field, but he only has trouble staying on the field when the protection isn't up to par. Mm-hmm. Last year he was able to get some of his he was able to get the pocket to kind of form around him. He was able to become a little more patient, but yet he didn't he wasn't always running for his life. And I think ultimately that mixed with getting a Getting personally, I think we need a tight end who can catch the ball a little more sure-handedly than Pettigrew. Interesting you say that because, you know, they had had Scheffler for a bit, you know, they have Pettigrew, he's a first-round pick, you know. Right. Is he not the guy for you and why? I I just don't think he's really been up to where he was perceived to be. He was, we, we drafted him as a top 20 pick, thinking, coming out of Oklahoma State, thinking that... He was your typical Antonio Gates type, big bodied, sure handed tight end. And as we've seen countless times this year and a couple times last year, he's having trouble carrying on to the ball. And even once he catches it, I personally I get nervous every time he goes to every time he gets hit. Is he your Todd Jones type player? You're gonna get nervous every time. He is. If 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 there was a warning track in the NFL, we might start out <laughs> calling him warning track Pettigrew. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I don't know though, because I've been pretty happy with Pettigrew, I'm not going to lie. Here's where I'm gonna, we're going to debate here because, I mean, yeah, he's not Antonio Gates. But at the same time, I think Gates, Gonzalez, I think those are one-of-a-kind players. I think if you draft those kind of players, they're your Calvin Johnson. They're your go-to receiver. Right Now, if you have a guy like Pettigrew, I think that he solidified himself just enough where he plays a role, but he's not that big-body power force. Yeah, that'd be great. But I think that's just how the Lions offense runs. I think Schwartz likes going, you know, to a steady running game, although we didn't have it. And you know, and go, going to your number one guy during the year. But that's debatable. Hey, five one seven four three two three eighty nine three. We've had some callers for the question of the week, some some callers debating some of the issues we've talked about. Open line for the rest of the show. You definitely want to stay tuned or call in. And speaking of running back, this is actually a breaking story out of today. Apparently, according to Carlos Monterez from the Detroit Free Press. Jim Schwartz is very unhappy. Uh, ex- excuse me, very unhappy with Jokey Bell's celebration last game. This is what Jim Schwartz said. He said this, quote, "The line specific in the rule book. You can't have two people with any kind of choreographed thing, and those two guys didn't get together and say this is what we're going to do. It was just reacting to the moment, and that's a young player, particularly like Jokey, like I said, who has done some really good things for us this year." And has done a good job of capitalizing on an opportunity. But it's things like that, it's a bad decision like that, that could potentially limit his opportunities. And we certainly don't want to see that happen. End quote. Now, we've seen Chad Johnson. We've seen Terrell Owens. We've seen all sorts of celebrations. And 
<clears throat> it's very clear that th- that does not limit their possibilities of playing. Now, where is the fine line, David? Uh, and if any of you guys want to call in as well, what is the fine line on what celebrations can be allowed? Why it's too far? Because as far as I'm concerned, this guy's playing. He's scoring. I don't see any problem with it. I kind of like the entertainment. What's your thought on it, David? Now, don't get me wrong. When I see a guy like Chad Ochocinco picking up a pylon and using it as a golf putter, it, it makes me laugh as much as the next guy. But I think that as, as a Lions running back specifically, one guy that you have to look at in every in, throughout history is Barry Sanders. And if anyone watched the football life on Barry Sanders, it was well documented that how Barry played the game was anytime he scored a touchdown, which as we all know was pretty frequent, his touchdown celebration was finding the referee and handing him the ball and running back to the sideline like he'd been there before. Now, don't get me wrong, Jokey Bell is from Wayne State, he's a small school guy, he's finally caught on with the team, especially it's his hometown team, Wayne State being in Detroit, and he, he, was ex- he was excited about the play, but I think as he establishes himself, I think he should take a page out of Barry's book and kind of sit back and say, hey, I'm in the NFL, I've done all the celebrating I need to do is in my play, is in my my." team my my willingness to win as a team my willingness to help my team win I think when you hit pay dirt if maybe if you're a guy like Chad Ochocinco and you need the publicity because you're trying to sell t-shirts or trying to promote a website or promote all those crazy other business ventures he does but if you're a guy like Jokey Bell and you see the end zone I just flip the ball to the referee and go back to the sideline like you've been there before (laughs) yeah you know what you said it taking the book from Barry Sanders I mean, there's a guy like that. Yeah, that's the extreme. Barry Sanders is going to be there as the, as the greatest. Now, you know, there comes a guy like Jokey Bell. Uh, I mean, we've seen Titus Young clock eyes. I mean, where do you find the line between limiting playing time for a guy that hits another player but going to have that same kind of penalty for a guy who celebrates a touchdown? That's true. There has to be some sort of consistency in how Jim Schwartz yeah, handles and, and, his players. And this is the thing that, that I just get so upset with with Schwartz because, you know, first it's the challenge flag. Now he's starting to say things that are condescending. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. First you're saying, you know what, you got to limit your playing time. But, you know, he doesn't specify a fine line and, and, and how much of a penalty a player is going to receive. If you think otherwise, 517-432-3893. We have about seven minutes left of the show. With that said, I'll leave it with that if you want to call in. Unfortunately, David, I'm sorry. We're going to switch modes now to a little bit of Detroit Pistons. We're running a little bit late on schedule here. Got too involved in some topics. (laughs) But Detroit Pistons, hey, let's talk about Andre Drummond to start. I know you're on the Drummond bandwagon. Uh, Talk about what you've seen from him. I have my little things about Drummond, but I want to hear from you first. Everything I've seen from Drummond so far, I've loved. Now, don't get me wrong. Is he a finished product? No. Is he your perfect seven-footer? No. But I think the one thing that a lot of people keep missing is that last year when he was at UConn, technically he went to UConn a year early. So age-wise, he should have been a senior in high school, which means right now playing against big guys such as Joachim Noah, such as Roy Hibbert, and other guys in our division— He's playing as at, at the age of someone who should be a freshman in college. He should yeah. be he should be a, he should be the same age as, you know, Gary Harris. He should he should be in the same class as that. But when you see what he's been doing on the court, I think his sheer dominance as a raw player is very very 
uplifting if you're a Pistons fan because you know that with a little bit of work and a little bit of development, the sky's the limit for this guy. Right, right. Now, was this a steal in the draft? Would you have maybe taken someone else? I mean, there's some other guys that they could have taken. There, there are a couple players, and when going back on it, there are players who I think will be studs in the league who were taken after Andre Drummond. Like Darko, right? <laughs> Something like that. But I think... At the end of the day, for what the Pistons needed, a big athletic guy who can go above the rim and be paired along with Greg Monroe, if I had to make this pick 10 more times, I would take Andre Drummond every single time. I think yeah. this kid will be the real deal one day. Wow. Very bold words. Now, here's the thing that you know I'm going to float your way that, that worries me. I mean, let's look at the game when the Pistons, oh, I forgot what, it was a game last week, I think it was against Cleveland, and Drummond blocks like two straight blocks goes down the floor right hustles his butt off not gonna say that other word <laughs> hustles his butt off misses a dunk now of course he's not finished i get that he's not in his frame maybe he's got to put on a little bit more lengthy guy but here's the thing i mean Lord, it, it, this is the time for the pistons where it's transition you know they right. made moves dumars made moves with free agency it, he's not gonna put the blame on frank white yet there's He's not going to get fired really idealistically in the near future uh, until maybe the offseason. But, you know, this is an important time. And although he isn't a finished product, you know, when it comes to being in the NBA, you know, you've got about seven solid years when you graduate. You've got 21, 22, whenever that is. Usually you start peaking around 29, 30 mm-hmm. and when, before your legs get bad or until you start playing. Uh, that, of course, is is varied per player. But... In Drummond's concern, you know what? I, I'm going to think that although he's not finished, I'm not willing to wait that long for a guy that was considered a steal. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, sure, he's got a lot of talent. He can match up with Hibbert. He can match up with any of those other big guys. But most of the guys that come out as centers right now, I agree, they're not finished products. Right. But with this team and the fact that there aren't any solidified forwards or guards right now, I think that he needs to have a bigger role, and I'm a little unhappy with his play. But, again, the number, we've got eight minutes left. 517-432-3893. Jumping a little bit to Drummond. Like I said about guards, David. Brandon Knight, this is looking to be his team like Appling. Uh, is, is he our guy? Very simple. I'm in. If 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 he has a bandwagon, I would I'll hop on that one right after. Simply because, from everything I'm hearing out of the Pistons camp... Brandon Knight is your prototypical gym rat. He is your prototypical first in the gym, last out of the gym type player. And for someone who has to run an NBA offense, who has to have all the intricacies and has to basically take the body of a two guard and the skills of a two guard, which is what he has, and translate it to becoming a point guard and having the mental aspect to become a point guard, I think any player who's willing to work on his game as much as Brandon Knight is, is going to have success in that as- aspect. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, you look at Chauncey, you look at Brandon Roy. These guys have had successes, maybe not necessarily those prototypical point guards. But right. on the other side of it, you know what? This is something that I've kind of thought of the last week that I haven't really heard people talk about. And it's, I, I, very, I find this team very similar right now to the Portland Trailblazers two years ago when they had Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy, uh, Brandon Knight. Both guys that are one-two kind of guards. Right. Marcus Aldridge. I mean, they're starting to solidify themselves with Drummond, Knight. So they've had a lot of draft picks that really make up the DNA of this team. And when you look at Portland, they they drafted Brandon Roy. They you know they made some trades, gotten some guys. They got McGetty of the Pistons. These are the kind of teams that that I think this is going to be the start of a new legacy. I mean, these guys 
Brandon Knight was a steal. Drummond was a steal. These guys should have been maybe earlier in the first round. But you know what? I could see this team being kind of like Portland. An up-and-coming team should make a playoff run in the near future. I Uh, see it. Jumping now a little bit before we end this topic. Biggest surprise this year on this team. Obviously, they've been a little sluggish the last two games. Uh, They did beat Cleveland, but eh, that's probably expected. But, uh, I mean, who's the guy for you that's really been the biggest surprise? To me, the biggest standout on the team has to be Kyle Singler. This is a guy who played four years under Coach K, learning from, as, as we know, one of the best in the entire game. Absolutely. Went to Spain last year during the lockout, and instead of coming back and playing in the shortened season, he finished up in Spain and kind of honed on into his skills there. But in my mind, he's really come on and become basically a better Jonas Jerebko. Because you see that when he's on the court, he'll do the dirty work. He'll dive for the loose balls. He'll play his hard-nosed defense. He's a hustle player. He's your prototypical hustle player. But another element that he brings is his three-point shooting. Anytime you have him standing out as a spot-up shooter, whether it be Stucky or Knight or Tayshon or or your big guys like Drummond and Monroe, when anyone's down low and the defense collapses, Mm -hmm. when you kick the ball out to Singler, he's been pretty much automatic. Now, now how would you compare Singler to guys like Corver? I mean, is he kind of a Corver-esque kind of guy? Uh, how, how will he have a role in the league? I think I think he does have that sort of that Corver-esque type of prototypical model where you give him the ball when the, the, with a collapsing defense and you give him a, a wide-open three, right. and he'll make it 9 out of 10 times. What I th- Where I think he differs from Corver is on the defensive side of the ball, if you put Kyle Singler on a play on the opposition's better player – it's not quite the weakness that you get putting Kyle Korver on a guy like, you know, maybe Dwayne Wade or yeah, a, yeah. A, a quick little combo guard like that. Right. Now, and, and here's the other thing I want to ask you with Singler. Uh, for me, I mean, I've seen Korver play. I've been impressed with the guy. Uh, driving to the hoop every time, I'm not so sold on him. Now, right. I've, I've seen Singler, and this guy's not afraid to take it in at all. No. And I think that's very hard to find in the league when you can have a guy who can pop it from three-pointer. But, I mean, finding a guy who can shoot – but isn't is willing to go up against you know going up against a Shaq or a big guy down low exactly willing to go in there. I, mean, I think that's great. But you know what? I think there's one thing that you you have to look at when it comes with when it comes to the role player on this team. It's Jason Maxiel. This guy. Oh, couldn't agree more. Been on, been on the team for three four years now. Uh, solidified himself as an off the bench energy type player this year. Rebounding, shooting his numbers way up. I mean, this guy could solidify himself as a starter on any team. Starting to remind me of a young Ben Wallace, which is kind of why they brought him in here. Obviously, yeah. his his defensive work is not quite up to par with Big Ben's, Great point, and man. the Afro is clearly not there. But in terms of just his stature and his willingness to go on the offensive and defensive boards, I I I think Ben Wallace would be a perfect mentor for this guy. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Now, closing off the show, we are uh, we're within the last three minutes. We're gonna jump. Actually, we're gonna give it a little bit more time because we started a little bit late. Let's jump to MSU football real quick. Uh, of course, we heard Josh earlier about Le'Veon Bell. Uh, is Bell gonna be the guy for you, David? Uh, if not, Bell. Uh, you, do you see an Edwin Baker guy really stepping in? Uh, you know, Larry Caper now about to be gone. Who's the guy that's gonna step in for Bell? If not him. I mean, truthfully, this guy Nick Tom Nick Tompkins, who was redshirted this year, I've been hearing a lot of good stuff out of him. But until he gets on the on the field, we're never really going to know. Sh- I guess the real question is, should Le'Veon Bell come back? Yeah. And to me, you can you can argue it both ways. I think for what he does, 
for a big bodied back who can who has the enough patience to run between the tackles and who can see the field as well as Levy I can see that skill is not going to be enhanced at all by coming back to Michigan State that's something that he's he's already elite in in I think in that aspect where I think that coming back to Michigan State is really going to be the right decision for Le'Veon Bell is I don't think he's going to want to leave with such a sour taste in his mouth of this season. I think uh, yeah, compared sure. to what we had last year and compared to what guys like Jarrell Worthy and Edwin Baker, when they left to go to the NFL, they left on an 11-win season where we beat a Georgia team in the Outback Bowl in one of the most amazing games in MSU yeah, history. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And to have, to have that kind of ending to your college career, I think Jarrell Worthy was very... He was very adamant on, okay, I did, I, I gave Spartan Nation what I needed to give them, and now I'm going to go on to this next part of my life. Now, at the same time, do you think Le'Veon Bell is looking on back at that Georgia game and saying, hey, you know what, this wasn't a great season, but I had that camaraderie, I had that feeling last year at the Georgia game? I think, I think he might be. I think while the team necessarily hasn't done, hasn't played up their expectations in, ster- in terms of pure score. Every game that Michigan State has lost this year, with the exception of the Notre Dame game, has been one or two plays has been the difference in the game, and they've all been extremely close. So that I don't think the team is necessarily as discouraged as the fan base might be. Mm-hmm. I think the team is still very high on themselves yeah. and very confident that they can win pretty much any game they, they're in. Right. Now, and in, in even with that, I think that's a great point. I, I agree. I think the fans might be di- more disappointed than the team. But look, they're playing a TCU team. Although it's not an idealistic bowl, it's not a Gator Bowl, it's not an Outback Bowl, but they're going to be challenged. I mean, although it's not a high, you know, you know, a very, uh, it's not a very high bowl with prestige, but right. it's still a bowl, and it's going to be a match that scouts will be watching that game. TCU too, they've got some guys in that team that could be some later NFL picks. So you know, that's a great point you made. Uh, let's jump a little bit now to the Maxwell Damian Terry competition. Ooh. Uh, your thoughts, we've talked about this on the sports chat before in previous weeks. Is Damian Terry going to be the guy? I'm, I'm excited for Damian Terry. I've been watching this guy's highlight tape since he was a junior, and to me, the aspect that he can really bring that Maxwell just doesn't seem to have yet is the mobility and the being able to extend plays sort of a la Robert Griffin-esque. Sort of someone who, listen, I'm not here to, necessarily say that Maxwell is not a good quarterback because I think a lot of Maxwell's issues have been on the offensive line due to injuries and just how he's been protected he hasn't been able to have the timing to necessarily make the throws he wants to make but what I see Damian Terry being able to do is come in and see see the offense in a way that if his offensive line breaks down and the, the protection all of a sudden is no longer there for a play. He can get out of the pocket and scramble and extend the play just long enough to let his receivers get open. And I think ultimately yeah. with the improvement the, the, the receivers are going to make over time, it's I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm excited for Damian Terry. Very good. No, I'm excited great for Great points. Uh, if you're just tuning in again, this is WDVM East Lansing 88.9 FM. End of the show right now. Before we close real quick for just under a minute here, we're going to get to our goon of the week. Uh, we've got two guys. First is the Appalachian State free throw. Uh, David actually showed me this earlier. Throwing the ball straight up, going back down, not even half court. Worst free throw in years, quote David Zuckerman. Uh, <laughs> let's talk now about the second goon, NHL. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Oof. I, what I would say, the goon of the week is really more the goon of the year, maybe even the decade, and his <laughs> name is Gary Bettman. This is a guy who has been 
the commissioner of the NHL since 1993. So he's going on almost 20 years. Yeah. In 20 years of being the commissioner of this sport, he's now in his third lockout, which is atrocious. Yeah. When you have a sport like the NHL, which is my personal favorite, but in terms of popularity in the country, it's clearly the fourth behind baseball, basketball, and football. And when you have a sport like that, the worst thing you can possibly do is take your fans that you already have established in that sport and lose them because there are too many logistics that you can't figure out in terms of getting these guys on the ice. I think the only good thing he's necessarily done in his 20 years of being the commissioner is put a team back in Minnesota because you need one. But giving Atlanta a team? What? what? <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable. Five years they're gone. Yeah, absolutely. Don't what get a, me started on that. <laughs> what a goon this week. Again, thanks again for tuning in to Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. I'm Alex Shark, David Zuckerman to my left. Have a nice break, everyone. We'll be back in a few weeks. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.